Two Lit Chicks Book Bites with Julia and Ed. Welcome to another Book Bites. This is a very special Book Bites because it's the penultimate Book Bites of the season. And today, well, what are we going to do, Julia? We're going to reflect a bit over the past season and look at the our favorite books from, from uh, the choices that our authors made. We're going to look at our favorite moments and talk about what we've learned and how you, we've grown as people. Are you putting on like a particular sort of I'm putting on my woman's hour. That's my woman's hour voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I've got a scoop, unless you've been well, we already your social we already, media. <laughs> and we already talked about it on Monday. Uh, oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. I, have no sh- I have no short-term memory, you see. No, but it now um, is definitely happening tomorrow. So on okay. Thursday, I'll be, I will be on Woman's Hour between 10 and 11. So wow. uh, if you haven't had enough of my voice yet, you know where to go for some more. <laughs> Excellent. For the dulcet tones of don't, Julia Boggio. <laughs> don't, don't swear. Don't say, don't, particularly don't say the C word because they really Ooh. don't like that. Yeah. You can probably get away with like, um, with minor swear words and they'll just say, oh, please don't do that. But the C word they really don't like. F word, probably not okay as well. Yeah, not a good why, idea. Why am I so, we're allowed to swear on this. Well, I won't say we C word because some people have a problem with that. Um, and I'm very diplomatic, as you know. But we're, we're allowed to say fuck, aren't we? We are. And I accidentally said uh, bollocking on a, a BBC uh, interview once many, many years ago. Because I didn't realize it was a bad word. But anyway. Well, you see, some people say that's not a swear word. It's, often people will be like, that's not a swear word. And I mean, it, it, it obviously is. I mean, I, I don't care because I, I love swear words. I say them all the time. I'm, you know, Shakespeare loves swear words. Everyone should work to love swear words. Um, but a lot of people are like bollocks is not a is not a swear word. And I'm like I don't, I don't know where you getting that from. <laughs> <laughs> That's just bollocks. But anyway, yeah. Now I know. Now I know, and I know not to say that on Woman's Hour tomorrow exactly. between ten and eleven. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't say fuck off. That's bollocks. They'll never invite you back. No, yeah. exactly, exactly. So anyway, yeah. shall we get on with? <laughs> yeah, we just sworn about twenty the episode. We'll just. <laughs> We'll definitely be ticking the obscene language box on this yeah. one. It's that kind of like end of term sort of madness, isn't it? Cause it I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm even more egregious than, than I usually am. Oh, man. Okay, um, so. Okay, <laughs> you, you go first. <laughs> me go first. I go first. Um, anyway. Me go first. Uh, me go first, yeah. What is the game called? You, you, you poetry. Woman's hour, Julie. You've lost a plot. Come on. I know. I can't speak. It's because it's there's a game called Poetry for Neanderthals, and you have to speak like a caveman. Like, you're not allowed to, you have to say things like me. Like, oh, that sounds really And fun. think you're only allowed to use words with one syllable, which is really funny because you realize that most of your friends don't know how to count syllables. Do you yeah. know how to count syllables? I, there's a trick. Um, I, mean, I just nat- I just naturally do it because I'm, I'm. You a have a natural of, I'm a aptitude. Of, yeah, I'm an iambic nerd, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about. <laughs> well, all about the way the way I was taught to do it is you put your fist underneath your chin, and every time your chin goes down, that's a syllable. Okay. So yeah, try it. Yeah. Or you can just count them in your head. I don't know. You could, but as I've found from playing this game with people. People can't do that as easily as you might think. But anyway, That's my favorite I mean. moment of the <laughs> season uh, has to be this one from our interview with Damien Barr. 
In some novels, place is very important to the plot, and in others, it's not. Uh, it could be more of a character book. But in all three of the books that you chose, um, they fall into the kind of book that place is very important. So we've got in Streetcar Named Desire, 632 Elysian Fields Avenue. In Beloved, it's 124 Bluestone Road. In Tales of the City, it's 28 Barbary Lane. Do you think that because of your upbringing and your struggle to find place, that you are attracted to books where place is such a strong part of the story? That is one of the best questions I've ever been asked. Oh so my God, I'm putting that on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> that is a superb question. Um, I have not had that thought. I have never had that thought. You've, you've, you've held up a mirror there that I have not had that thought. Uh, and I think you're right. I think you're right. I think I think you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I liked your your reaction in in that moment. You were like, "Yes, easy." <laughs> I, I, I was nailed just that like, question. I'm like, I am not going to play this cool. I am. I am going to own this and be excited about it. <laughs> yeah. No. Why not? And, and it, it does go to show that, you know, authors, authors love it. Well, all creatives love it when someone points something out about their work that they just didn't think of. <laughs> they just yeah. love it. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what about you? What was your favorite moment? So my favorite moment is sort of ostensibly boring, but I'll explain it. Um, that's like a terrible way to introduce a clip, isn't it? No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> no it, it's not boring, but I mean, you know, it's, it's not, it, you know, Anyway, roll the clip, Jeremy. <laughs> I want these people to feel like real people. And they, they are, I mean, they, they are living in this fantasy secondary world. And, um, but I have never been the sort of fantasy writer where the magic is the most important thing to me or like the speculative element is the most important thing to me it's really the, the the characters i want them to feel like they are you know real human beings i want john loon the city where this takes place to feel like a real place that mm -hmm. you could visit and you could you know go into the restaurants and you could uh, walk around and see the street festivals and so yes yeah, so that was in case you, you couldn't tell that was the majestic fondly and that was her explaining one of the principles she uses um, in her book to do with world building and what she finds really important. And what, what I love about that clip, the reason I chose it, and I guess not just that clip, but the whole sort of section around it about her world building, was it shows something that well, I, I love to hear what authors think about, especially fancy authors think about how they build worlds, because it's something that I've been trying to do for, you know, many years now. And just to hear someone so good at world building like her or so good at building characters that are real because the point she's making there is like she's not so much the magic she's concerned about it's the depth of the characters hmm. um and how good you know the the, the, the places the locale is the world building is um and just to sort of hear that from someone like her see it explained in detail i guess it's a bit like 
people who you know obsessed with film stars and then they go to those actor studio things and a film star sits down and he says well this is what i was thinking when i was doing this method you know i i sat in a bath for three days and then i imagined being <laughs> cold and then that's how i was able to be really cold or you know or i wanted to get angry so i went and beat up some people on the street and got arrested and that's how i was so angry <laughs> i think that's okay how this is this works. is uh this is you're getting off topic here <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah so method acting yeah um anyway so it was just really amazing just to sort of hear someone i i think is a, an excellent writer really explain mm. a core part of fantasy which i've always wondered about so that was very not really exciting but kind of just um a bit of a heartwarming moment for me yeah i think we've both chosen heartwarming moments yeah very personal for each of us yeah. but so okay so looking back over the books that our guests have chosen this season what is your favorite one so I've cheated with two answers here. Um, That's okay. I have four. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, what have I known that? <laughs> well, we were making the we, rules, so you know. Yeah, we we respect no rules. We um we're changing <laughs> we're changing a paradigm, as Robert Kagan might say. That's a little yes, joke. Yes. No, not paradigm shift. There you go. Nailed it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, well, the technical answer has to be Jane Eyre. Um which was Millie, one of Millie Johnson's choices um, mm -hmm. because it's one of my favorite books. Um, but I've already read that many times before this podcast. So I, I also wanted to say a book that I hadn't read before that really kind of, um, that I was absolutely loved, which was, um, well, I should say Why I Love Jane Eyre. Um, actually, no, go back to the episode if you want to hear Why I Love Jane Eyre. Um, I explain <laughs> in, great, in great detail there. Great detail. Yeah. <laughs> great detail, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the book that I haven't read before, which I love, is Desperados, um, which I'm guessing you've probably chosen as one of your 50,000. Um, Desperados by Ron Hansen mm. uh, is one of Robert Kamen's choices. And um, that was just the, the vivid depictions of the sort of train robberies and the kind of violence meshed in with his incredible description of character and just the... the the language and the poetry of the language and just everything about that book just stunned me. You know, mm. I, I went into thinking it was going to be a kind of fun Western romp. And it's just such a well-written book, which I think mm. deserves more attention. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. That's, that was my favorite. I think I would definitely read more by that author, by Ron Hansen. Um, and I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised as well by that, by that book. And that was number two on my list. There you go, you see. I'm a psychic. Mm. <laughs> so number one on my list was uh, My Name is Lucy Barton, which was chosen by Joe Browning Rowe. And uh, that was a book by Elizabeth Strout. And I just, again, I just thought her simplicity of prose was astounding. She has this simple way of writing, but, but that packs such a punch. And I think that as writers, we could all learn something something from her uh and then yeah then then desperados and then i really enjoyed tales of the city by armistead Maupin. i just loved the kind of soap opera-ish way that it was written and i love you know Maupin's sort of mic drop moments and yeah he's he's a fun fun writer and uh I just yeah i feel like i'm hanging out with a friend when i'm reading tales of the city that so, is that is quite funny because if i'd had your 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 four choices um i <laughs> um i would i would have picked tales of the city too i absolutely loved it i had no idea what to expect it's just it's just great isn't it that sort of feeling of like a community of like f friends 
but getting into sort of almost like PG Worldhouse style ridiculous situations and um I guess kind of yeah sort of like a more kind of pansexual PG Worldhouse for the modern age really isn't it I should have said that to Damien Barr see what he thought you should have Oh, yeah. you see, oh, well, you always late. you always think of the right things to say after. Yeah, that's just life, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, used to be sorry. me on first dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have a fourth one just because you know I was getting greedy. Uh, because I did, I've really enjoyed a lot of the books this season, and my fourth one would be The Godfather, which I listened to. So with The Godfather, I didn't say this in the podcast episode, and I meant to, but there's a great quote at the very beginning, which is, Behind Every Fortune is a Crime by Balzac. And I just, that really, I thought that was such a good quote. You know, because I do feel that way. You know, like you, I used to work with really, really rich people, and I just, always had to wonder, like, what did you do? Who did you, whose back did you step on to make this money, yeah. this amount of money? Obviously, the Godfather. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just, I did, and I loved, all, I, you know, for me, I loved all those New York accents, made, reminded me of home. That, and, that's uh, funny because you sort of both kind of, it slightly slated the Godfather as well, didn't I you? I know, I know, we did, we did, because it is, it is not the best written book, but the story is great. Yes, yes. And Maybe. even while I was reading it, like I haven't seen the Godfather movies in a long time. I thought you were about to say you've not seen the Godfather movies then. I was about to fall off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course I've seen the Godfather movies. Um, but, you know, I, I haven't seen them for a long time. But when I was reading the book, I could... I would get these flashes from the movies, like that vision of Marlon Brando when he gets shot, you know, and he's lying there among all the fruit. I remember that scene. Um, I, what, I think it's oranges in the movie. In the in the book, it was peaches, I think, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I thought uh, it was funny how I would get these flashes, remembery, remembrances from the movie while I was reading it, even though I hadn't seen it in a long time. But anyway, oh, you could probably cut all this waffling. <laughs> no, it's interesting how how film and books intertwine when you've got visual images of the book of the film that might be more important than a book. Yeah, mm. yeah. It Something actually, to I think feel. About there. I think I might go back and watch the movie again, just because um, now I know so much more. <laughs> now I've read the book. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And what, what? And what have you learned from this season? What's your takeaway lesson? Takeaway lesson. Um, so I'm, I'm very bad at takeaways. I just sort of move on and never learn anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in, this, in, in this void that we call life. No, yeah. no, no, I just. Um, my takeaway. Well, I was thinking about this. Again, I don't know if this is a very boring takeaway. Maybe I'm just a very boring person. But one thing I noticed is that the authors we were talking to were constantly, in some ways unaware of the themes that connected their work or they were unaware of the ways in which their work might be better than they realized so that they had all these amazing books that they were comparing it to like they were worshiping and some mm. of the time I thought well you're kind of there or you know or this is good in a different way or something so the point I'm sort of very slowly trying to extract here is that it I think it shows that you have to talk to someone in this kind of environment to really understand your own 
sort of catalog if you like and well I'm it's not good to get another and... it's good it's good to get other people's perspective because other people bring bring their own thoughts to the table and it's, it's you know there's this whole idea that once you've written something you you put it out there it's no longer yours so it's open to other people's interpretation the, the author's agency or, or, or the reader's agency and i've noticed that i mean i know i noticed that even in season one and season two there were some writers who you know gave us their list of books and then like for me i would be looking at it as a i could see a clear pathway to how they got to their book but they were completely unaware of that sort yeah, of thing it's almost I like guess. it's almost like the way i express it is it's almost like it's therapy kind of or, or, or writer's therapy you know speaking to someone in not necessarily on a podcast but in some form of interview format about their work because you know mm. you go to therapy and you're like oh i didn't realize that i you know i had abandonment syndrome or that i you know was repeating that thing from ages and ages ago so mm. in, in the same way when you talk to someone about something you've written and then someone goes, well, yeah, that's obvious. And you're like, what? I did not realize that. <laughs> it's almost, it's on book therapy, you know. Um, so I suppose my takeaway yeah. is that um, we are unwittingly giving people therapy. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. But anyway, so stay, stay tuned <laughs> I am not qualified. Out. Not qualified <laughs> at the all. The least qualified person you yeah. can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh. What about you, Julia? Moving swiftly on. I've learned that people really love a quiz. I think people, people really love, love a quiz. Yeah. 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 And that maybe I'm a little too hard <laughs> on my quizzes. Well, people love complaining about whether quizzes are too easy, too hard as well. Exactly. Um, I mean, I guess it gives them something to look forward to, the complaining, I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just bad. I'm just bad. When I used to do poll quizzes, I don't really do as many now um, for some reason. Um getting old post-pandemic i don't know um but i, used to do yeah, a lot I think of... we all we did a lot of quizzes over the pandemic i think that <laughs> yes that's... yeah we're like now eh, um, we need a break <laughs> one of my favorite things is to complain about pull quizzes say oh you know that was just aimed too hard or that was aimed you know too easy um which i shouldn't do because i love writing quizzes and it's, it's not easy to write a quiz but um i'm going off track now <laughs> anyway <laughs> quizzes are great is your takeaway yeah. yeah, quizzes are great. I do love a quiz. And and uh, and I think the book bites, I'm really glad we started doing those because I think that people are enjoying them. You know, we're adding that little bit more value to people's lives. That's what we do, add, add value. We add value. Sort. We add value. Yeah. And well, speaking of quizzes, um, the final book bites on Friday, just flag that up. Because, yeah. Um, I'm excited about that because it's a competition quiz, isn't it? Mm, yes. Uh, so people will be able to win something. Well, let, let's, we'll, we'll talk about what well, we did reveal it the other day again, Ed. But anyway, <laughs> we'll reveal short, it again what, on Friday. Memory. I know yeah. what's going on. What's going on there? Let's let's draw this to a close, and uh, well, and then we'll give people you know something to look forward to on Friday. Exactly. Well, I've I've enjoyed reflecting on my thoughts, Julia. I hope you have. I have, and I'm um, going to use my woman's hour voice again now. To, yeah, good, uh, good luck. Next, <laughs> next time we talk, we'll have found out what happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, bye. Bye. Two Lit Chicks is a podcast about the books that change lives. Julia Bodger and Ed Crocker chat with well-known authors about the stories they've loved. Find us on all major podcast platforms or go to our website at twolitchicks.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>